Welcome to Big Fish Stories, the podcast dedicated to telling the real outdoor stories of adventure, hunting, and fishing. For the outdoors men and women who get lost in the stories around the campfire, this is the place for you. My name is Tyler Hendricks, located in the great state of Idaho, and today I have my childhood best friend and still best friend with me, Josh Christiansen. How's it going? Oh, pretty good. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. Well, tell me. Right off the bat, what got you into, we have tons of stories that we can go into just from you and I, but tell me before you and I were best friends, what got you into hunting and fishing in the outdoors? Uh, I would say my dad for sure got me into hunting. Uh, I hated fishing from a young age. I, I really like to kill stuff, unfortunately, <laughs> um, and fishing really didn't do it for me. Right. So I, yeah, wasn't a fisherman till recently, I would say. Josh and I just started doing uh, bass fishing tournaments together, and he's re-fallen in love with fishing. But yeah, yes. I remember before that, when when we'd be out even just looking for stuff, you were all about killing frogs, killing lizards, whatever we could find. Yes. Um, and then it changed slowly. Yeah. Now you're not a psychopath. So no, definitely not a psychopath. I <laughs> don't even really like killing deer. I just good at it. Right. Right. <laughs> so tell me, like, I know that your whole family, uh, was really into hunting your dad, your grandpa. Yeah. Um, have they all been hunting in Idaho for a long time? Yeah. Since the early seventies, I believe back in the day, my whole family used to go out all at once and decimate like a whole herd. Mm -hmm. And that was, you know, everybody would shoot as much as they could and they would collect them at the end. And that tag. was the way of Idaho in the what? Seventies, eighties, probably seventies, eighties. Yeah. yeah. You just go decimate a herd and that's <laughs> yeah. what you have for food. Yeah. And they would all dress them out all together and mm -hmm. line them up and take pictures and all that. And it's weird how, things change generationally um, because I, I think that that was the mindset. You know, the last episode we talked with my dad and he came from a city environment to Montana and it seemed like he was in that mindset of, I'm just going to go in the forest and whatever comes across, I'm killing it and I'm eating it and that's what I'm going to do. And eating it was secondary. It was more about, I'm going to kill it. And I think that mindset has definitely changed, uh, coming all the way to, to our age group now. Oh um, yeah. Like it's, if I even hear about people talk, like I had a guy, um, last year I watched him put a, I, I watched him shoot an elk with a bow and I watched where it hit. It hit really low, but he still hit it. And when I walked up to him, he goes, ah, oh, you know, I did a bad shot. Uh, he goes, I don't know if we're going to find it. And I was like, well, let's go. I didn't know the guy. I just witnessed everything happen. And I walked up and I'm like, well, there's blood here. And we looked for maybe an hour and he goes, you know, it's, I'll just arrow another one. And I was like, oh. no, you won't. <laughs> I was like, no, you're searching yeah. for this all day. You I was like, I'll tagged out. At yeah. That point. Yeah. I was like, you should cut your tag. If that's your mindset, if you're not putting in the, the hours to go find that animal, we're back in the day. I think that was very common. And I think that's how hunters got such a bad reputation in the seventies and eighties. Maybe they were more skilled because there wasn't a whole lot of that going on either. Maybe. Like honestly, based on what my grandpa told me, maybe they, they actually could kill game. 
there was at least one time where I know they killed more deer than they had people. Jeez. Back in the day. Right, right. You know, I mean, they had to call somebody to come tag a deer because they shot one extra or something. That was a common thing, too. My dad used to tell me stories about how he would walk into this. The, I, I can't remember if it was a restaurant or something like that, but he'd be like, does anyone need their tag filled? Because he had so many deer on the right. public property around. That him. was probably on like whitetail or something. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. 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 Mostly whitetail. Um, and, you know, you go to the Midwest and it's still kind of common because Midwest, you know, whitetail, they're like varmints. Right. Like there's so many of them. And yeah. They're tr- continually trying to get rid of them. You could shoot three a day in right. different places. So. That's Which, just not what I'm familiar with. Uh, me neither. I get no. one deer and maybe one elk if I'm really lucky, and that's all I need. If you pay a bunch of money, you can get two. Right. But yeah, that's about it. Right. Yeah. So tell me a little bit growing up, um, when was – do you have like a first story of when you knew, oh, this is what I want to pursue. Like this is what I want to do. I want to hike. I want to find animals. Do you have any sort of story that solidified that for you? Um, you know, I might be a little bit different than most of your viewers. Mm -hmm. I grew up with hunting as like a normal thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, my dad took me out maybe when I was six to eight Mm -hmm. and I experienced watching game die at that young and then growing up and. By the time I was 10, he was making me gut out everything that he killed every year. <laughs> right. So I was pretty. I mean, if you're going to have a kid, you might yeah, as well yeah, make him do the hard work. I could barely make it to most spots, and he would carry me sometimes. And uh, I learned at a very young age how to field dress game. So mm-hmm. I, from the time I would say I was probably 10, mm. um, a couple years before I got was able to shoot my first deer, mm-hmm. I was already totally used to seeing you know animal shot yeah yeah just whatever right so that makes it's 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 funny because my dad my dad was a great hunter in montana but it's because he had all the uh benefits in the world of being on private land and public land and like i talked with him about he's a blessed guy god really likes him so god gives him God puts deer in his way, big bucks that I've never even seen. Um, And when he came to Idaho, I remember when I was 9, 10, 11, 12, I remember continually he'd come home and no, no animals. Like every single day and every day I'd be like, did you get one? Did you get one? He'd be like, oh, no, not today. They're really tough to find now. Like I think there's too many hunters in the forest. Um, and so I didn't get any of that experience until I think I shot my first, my first doe. Uh, that was the first time I actually saw a dead deer. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's an experience for sure. Yeah. For a lot of new people, it's not the most fun thing in the world, but right. Yeah. I, I grew up with it pretty normally and, Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't really develop a passion for hunting, I would say, till I got a little bit older mm-hmm. and started getting into the, like, you know, personal disputes with certain deer. 
<laughs> like <laughs> that, that deer, yeah. I have a problem with that deer. Yeah, that's the one I want. That that's when it that's when it really became that deer real. beat me in that game of chess yesterday, and now yeah. I'm out to beat it every day until I get it. That yeah, it was probably I don't know. It was probably ten years ago or so. Mm-hmm. I came across a really nice buck. I named him because mm-hmm. I missed him. What's his name? El Toro. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> little bastard. Uh, I thought it was a 600 yard shot. Mm-hmm. It was like 350 yards, but you know, most of the time when you're shooting across these canyons, they're around 500 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, this guy was not, mm-hmm. I shot right over his back twice and he ran away mm-hmm. and he would have been bigger than anything. My family shot right. so far. And I had tracked him for like seven days. I mm-hmm. I knew where he was going to be. I had my brother and my dad there. Mm-hmm. And I told them where to sit. I told them where I was going to sit and where he was going to come out. Mm-hmm. And I had it down to like a matter of like 15 minutes mm-hmm. of when this guy was going to be walking through over the top of this ridge. Mm-hmm. And he didn't make an appearance unless he was on this ridge. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, he would take the tree line or uh, uh, probably 50 yards behind the tree line Mm -hmm. and he did whatever he was going to do. But, uh, I had it, I had him tracked. I knew where he was going to be. He was there exactly like I said it was going to be. And God bless my dad. He told my brother not to shoot Mm -hmm. because of how much work he had seen, how much work I'd put into tracking this thing. Right. And when it showed up, when I told them it was going to, I think it shocked both my brother and my dad Mm -hmm. and my brother was just rearing to, to shoot it. And he just said, no, 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 this is, this is his to miss, Mm -hmm. I guess. So Mm -hmm. yeah, he's could be still out there. So that's the vendetta buck. That's the one that turned me on to mule deer hunting. Yes. Right. Gotcha. Officially. Yeah. And you had shot bucks before. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think we were both at an age uh, where we had gotten used to shooting because you could shoot doe or buck at that age. And Until I, you're like 15. So you're, you're like 16, I think. 16? Well, you could. Now they've changed all the rules. But, oh. um, and I remember thinking, oh my gosh, if I see any buck, that's a, that's a, that's what you're supposed to shoot. That's so, a trophy. Yeah. You're shooting two by twos, three by threes, and yeah. small ones, you know, two and a half years old uh, until you, finally find these spots that are your spots that have these bigger bucks but until mm-hmm. then you just never know they're there yeah and this was your experience of being like oh there's bigger bucks here yeah that was that was the first time i actually got into country where i saw like you know legit like big big mule deer tracks mm-hmm. i i knew for a fact that I wanted to kill that thing and I missed mm-hmm. and that started me on the track of being interested in like, I, I really enjoy hunting, mm-hmm. but I lost my love for it for a short period of time. Cause it was so overdone by everybody else that I knew. Like it's a cultural thing where we live. Right. And I got kind of sick at people competing and competing for public land Competing for spots. It just got ridiculous. I just want to go out there. And I realized I can. Mm -hmm. I I can go out there and do my own thing. Mm -hmm. It's totally, 
it's actually quite simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't post anything on Instagram or <laughs> Facebook and just do what you want to do. And, and go by yourself and yeah, don't tell and, anybody. And I, that's exactly what I do. Right. Yeah. I, I enjoy being in the mountains by myself for sure. I'm with you there. I think there's always been that. I go, always with, that, I go with you though. Right. I'll go with you too. Yeah. There's always that learning experience where you tell a buddy about a, a, a spot that you want to go to and uh, you go to it, you discover all these deer. And then the next year that buddy has his buddies in there. And then those buddies have those buddies in there. And pretty soon this spot that had 15 bucks has nothing. Yeah. Well, we live in a hunting community up right. here. Like there's a probably two or 300 dudes mm-hmm. that are hardcore about this stuff. Yeah. So and when then, then like thousands of people who are yeah. half, half hardcore about it, <laughs> probably 10,000. Yeah. I mean, honestly, Oh, especially in the surrounding counties. Yeah. You have people who will drive up here every day and just drive the canyons until they find something. Yeah. It's, it's crazy, mm-hmm. but Yeah. So tell me about your first deer that you ever shot. Tell me the story. Uh, the first deer I ever shot, I was on my own. My, I told my dad I wanted to shoot a deer on my own. He was still there. Mm-hmm. Um, him and his buddy, I guess, um, they were... I'm pretty sure they were watching us, mm-hmm. but they were up on the hill and me and Jake went down to this little bluff thing. And Jake's his brother for those oh, yeah. who don't know. Jake is my little brother. I like how you look over your shoulder at this oh, yeah. camera. Yeah. <laughs> you have one right there too. There's all kinds of cameras <laughs> around. Uh, Jake's my little brother. Mm-hmm. And I told my dad that I wanted to do it on my own. Mm-hmm. So we went over to this little kind of, bluff thing and laid down and started glassing and there's this big rock pile i don't know maybe three four hundred yards in front of us Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden my little brother says oh there's a deer i i I can see something moving Mm -hmm. and i was like okay where is it and he's like it's right there i can see it licking its lips (laughs) just just go to the right of that tree and just shoot and you're going to get it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, no, I'm not <laughs> just going to shoot this deer mm-hmm. that I can't see. Right. Like we need to, we need to see what, what it is. Uh-huh. He goes, I'm literally looking at it. I, I mean, this went on for 20, it's 30 licking minutes. It's licking its lips. It's licking its lips. <laughs> and he, I've never heard of that as a thing that you're supposed to look for when you're looking for deer movement. Apparently, <laughs> Apparently it it's what my brother looks for. Right. And he saw it and he was all about it. Uh-huh. Shoot this thing. And I was so we moved positions to get in a better shooting position mm-hmm. to take this rock with bird on it and <laughs> uh <laughs> Jake was sitting there still hounding me and finally I said, "Dude, there's no deer there. Uh-huh. I'm looking at the Tweety bird that you're looking at right now and it's flapping its wings. So what do, what do you want me to do? And he kind of, he backed off finally. Yeah. I mean, back in the day we were using Tasco scopes, right. You know, three to nine or whatever. My dad still loves his Tasco scope. I finally upgrade. And it's not that Tasco makes the worst scopes, but 
back in the day, these were like set at like six power. Um, and yeah. once they started getting fuzzy, you had to get fuzzy with it. You were squinting to see through it or moving closer. And my dad <laughs> swears he had, he had this Tasco scope. Um, it was a eight or nine power. Um, and he, he was shot. He shot through this scope all the way up until two years ago. And finally I looked through it and I'm like, I can't see anything. It's just blurriness. How are you shooting out of this? So I bought him a Leopold, put it on there. It's crystal clear. Right. And now my dad is so used to the Tasco that he, when he looks through the Leopold, he's going like this and he goes, I can't see anything. <laughs> he goes, I think the other one was wider so I could see more. And I'm like, probably that means it's wider. So it's more zoomed out. Right. And he goes, and I just felt more steady with it. Yeah, because you're zoomed out. <laughs> That's how it <laughs> like works. You can't see how shaky you actually are. Right. Now you can see how shaky you are. Anyways. Well, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But we grew up doing that. So, you know, using – we didn't grow up shooting custom rifles, custom calibers, oh, yeah. custom glass, none of that. Yeah. It's the used family gun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my first – my first gun was passed down from my grandpa. Right. Uh, it was a 30 out six and it was sporterized. He brought it back with them from, I think Japan mm -hmm. and had it sporterized and it's still a great shooting gun. Mm -hmm. Uh, but we were, didn't, didn't have the stuff that we have now. Right. I mean, hunting now is a little different than it used to be for sure. Right. Probably for the best in some ways, in other ways, maybe not. Like I yeah. <clears throat> I get to the point where I feel like there does need to be a line in the sand at some point with how far you can upgrade your hunting rifle in order to shoot the animals. Um, well, if you're still taking them at 300, right. it doesn't matter how upgraded that thing is. Right. So, yeah. I mean, it, it, totally. all it all depends on your your level of sportsmanship. and Right. Uh, you know, the potential of making a beautiful animal suffer. Mm -hmm. You either want to do that or might do that. If mm -hmm. it's a really big one and you want to take that thing mm -hmm. at a certain distance, that might be something you would want to do. But right. for me, I just want to kill it and get it over with and yeah. get the meat in the freezer. And I think all true hunters should want a quick and easy death for the animals that they're going for. Yeah. I, Except for Josh at the age of five, uh, <laughs> Josh now should want that. Yeah. No, I, I do not enjoy everything that I've shot as an adult has died instantly. Yeah. So that's good. Either headshots or whatever. Right. Right. So I've had, yeah, I've had a couple bad experiences. I had one, mo I, I would say, I had a bad experience at the age of 12. It was a miracle that I even continued hunting after that. Um, I sh ended up shooting a doe in the back hoof um, and then had to pursue it on foot. And then it was dark and someone had to tackle it and take care of it. Um, that was Tidwell. Yeah, that Tidwell. was Kurt Tidwell. Um, then uh, I had a great streak for a really long time and got overconfident and ended up switching to a new rifle uh, and was overconfident with my new rifle for no reason because I hadn't really shot it that much. <laughs> I had sighted it in like I did my old rifle and just 
continued with the same level of confidence with my new rifle. And this was only, this was probably seven years ago. And I shot a buck in the front hoof and I, I ended up getting, I ended up killing it really quick after that, but I was, it, it, it ran probably 50 yards before I could get another shot. And I was mortified. Like I went home and like cried to Amory about it. Cause oh, no. it, it was a whole experience. Of, it is. I can't believe I just made this thing suffer. I do always have to think though. No, most of the time it is tough to make an animal suffer more at your hands than it would be than it would suffer in nature. Um, nature's ways of killing these animals are most of the time starvation or eaten alive unless they're real lucky with a mountain lion or a, a mountain, car or a car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's still at that's, the hands of a human. Right. Um, the best death they can get seems to be from the hands of a human. So I always have to wrap my, my mind around that. Um, because I love what I do, but I'm with you. The killing part to me is my least favorite. Yeah. The right. shot. Like I love when I see it. I'm, I love when I'm just squeezing the trigger and when I pull and when I know it was a good shot, I love all of that. But then it's that recognition afterwards of I had to kill this thing. Right. It, yeah, that can totally be, uh, depending on the situation, I've seen other people shoot, shoot game mm-hmm. and do it poorly. Yeah. And it was traumatic. Oh yeah. Well, you sure. can, yeah. I mean, there are, there are definitely bad scenarios. Like you can gut, gut shoot a, a deer or an elk and it can live for a long time. And I've had bad shots too. Mm-hmm. Actually the, the deer on my first my first hunt mm-hmm. uh i hit in the back pelvis it was running mm. full full-blown sprint up this mountain oh yeah you didn't finish tell, yeah, tell the whole I, yeah, story I tell the whole story so jake was telling me to shoot, shoot this deer, rock shoot the bird with uh, uh, licking its lips exactly <laughs> and i started looking over and i saw some deer bedded down below where he was talking about mm-hmm. and so I was like, oh, there's there's deer down there. Let's go down here. I was willing to shoot a doe, buck, didn't matter. It was my first first one. Mm-hmm. I was going for uh, 12. 12. Yeah. Uh, I was going for a deer, didn't care what it was. We dropped off this ridge a little bit, and as soon as we dropped off the top and skyline, these deer stood up and started running up this mountain. I you know, laid down kind of ish mm-hmm. on a sagebrush and shot. And I put my crosshair maybe a foot or two above her nose mm-hmm. and I hit her in the spine, mm-hmm. oh, in the spine <laughs> and uh, like lower pelvis spine mm-hmm. area and completely ruined oh. 70 or 80% of the meat, like oh. the real meat. Uh, the back straps were gone. Jeez. The, the, it, it was horrible. Oh. I mean, I got stomach fluid through, mm-hmm. I would say the bottom, the bottom half of the deer mm-hmm. was ruined. Wow. Um, it was horrible. Mm. When I gutted it out, it had milk in it. There was a fawn. I, oh, I, I was, yeah, I was just kind of like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Especially after we went and tried to butcher the meat and stuff, it, 
it just was tainted. Mm-hmm. We we couldn't use any of it really. Mm-hmm. I the front shoulders, which is probably 30, 40 pounds of meat, maybe. Right. If you get everything off the neck and everything, mm-hmm. it it was horrible. Ugh. And it was a bad gut out. It was mm-hmm. the worst experience <laughs> ever. Dang, that sucks. So I didn't actually want to hunt the next year after right. that. Uh, I didn't like it. She was suffering. I had to put it down, you know, at close range mm-hmm. and stuff. And it just, it wasn't a good deal. Right. Um, and I think a lot of people from the outside actually think that hunters are all about that kind of stuff. And Not real ones. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. Not um, at all. Yeah. It's not about... It's not about the kill. It's about the hunting experience and it's about being outdoors. And when that happens, it's devastating. Cause I feel like I love deer more than, more than people who don't hunt. Yeah. Because I'm with them. I experience them. I, right. I pick and choose the deer that I want to shoot. See how smart they are. Yeah. They're totally. intelligent, very totally. intelligent. And you get to know them. That's yeah. as weird as that sounds. You get to, you get to know them as a species but then you really get to know even individual deer where you go, oh, oh yeah, I know that this buck is going to pop out at this time at this spot, but he's too small. I'm going to wait for him next year. You get to know these herds. Right. Um, and so, yeah, when you make a mistake on a deer that you've seen over and over and over, it's tough because you know what his pattern would be like the next day. Right. You know, he'd be eating, chasing doe, uh, and doing his thing yeah and if you make a bad shot on it you're like i ruined the meat and now he doesn't get to be alive well you just got to plan out your shot like the day before yeah like literally that's what it takes to be a good hunter right like you're you're planning you have everything already like planned out from yeah talk about talk about the prep work the prep work of hunting yeah like what would you say if someone sees a deer Say they come up on a deer in the evening. Okay. Um, they know where that deer's at. What is the prep work involved even before hunting season, but then what should their prep work be involved for the shot? Yeah, that's, I would say 80% of the work, mm-hmm. honestly. Um, I haven't always been known for that. I have done it. Uh, it takes a lot. You got to, Typically you want to watch, you want to watch the deer till they lay down, Mm -hmm. till they bed down for the night. They're probably going to be within a hundred yards of wherever they bed. You watch them bed down the next morning, the next morning. Mm -hmm. Um, If it's a full moon, don't count on it, but (laughs) uh, depending on how light it is or the weather, it could change uh, what they had been doing earlier. Mm -hmm. And you just kind of, Watch them bed down, and it's going to be first light. If you can, you want to get to a spot where you could potentially take a shot. That's obviously during the hunting season. Uh, Before the season, I would say you want to continue to watch them, Mm -hmm. see where they get up, and see where they go. Mm -hmm. And then see you, you know, be there at the night. Or figure out their patterns. Yeah, they're they they do have a lot of patterns. They they do like to go back to certain water holes or whatever. What would the prep work be? Because you're 
you're a, a great hunter, but you're also a really great shooter. You understand your rifles, your pistols, all of that. Mm-hmm. What do you feel like would be uh, ideal for someone to feel confident with their rifle? Um, like how often should they be shooting? What kind of mark should they be hitting? And it's going to vary because some people are in the Midwest who max, they're going to be shooting 80 yards. Right. Some people here, uh, there's no limit to how far you can shoot. Unfortunately. Um, I would say practice some dry fire exercises that helped me a lot, uh, especially with pistols. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what made me a good pistol shooter. Mm-hmm. You know, I did, I did dry fire exercises for a year and a half mm-hmm. and, you know, ended up being able to do some pretty cool stuff with a pistol. Mm-hmm. But as far as hunting goes, <laughs> oh, this could lead into a, a good my, story. my first, my first AD accidental discharge. <laughs> um, Okay, let's talk about. Well, first, tell me, like I don't, and this is actually me genuinely asking the question. Okay. Um, for me, I practice at the max distance of around eight hundred yards. I'm never going to shoot a deer at eight hundred. Right. I'm at my max distance for me is five hundred yards. I wouldn't say practice any of those distances before you practice shooting at a hundred yards and hitting that dot. Mm-hmm. You want to, you want to make your group as tight as possible, as tight as your gun is capable of shooting. Mm-hmm. You want to get to the point where you can maximize that. Mm-hmm. As soon as you get to that point, that's when you take it to the next level and start shooting longer distances if if you can't hit a group at 100 yards then that's your that's your kill range right you're not shooting past that mm-hmm. um once you master that then you move on to you know pretty much anything between 100 and 400 i would say with most modern calibers is pretty flat mm-hmm. uh depending on whether you're working against or with gravity mm-hmm. It's pretty similar, especially right. with like what you shoot a 270. Mm-hmm. It's a flat shooting gun. Mm-hmm. It, it shoots, it's a laser at 400 yards. You just hold right on. Right. Um, with other calibers, a it's a little not, high, but you'll still, which hit is it. weird. But, yeah. uh, for people that don't know, mm-hmm. uh, that's strange that it's shooting high. No, no. I said I would aim a little. High. Oh yeah. A little yeah, like for 400. Yeah. But depending on. I don't know if you're shooting way down, let's say you're shooting down into right. a Canyon. That's true. Uh, you would, you wouldn't, you'd be shooting high. Right. Right. Um, so it's, it's kind of weird to get into all that, but once you, once you zero and get comfortable with your trigger and the recoil dealing with recoil is really hard. How many times would you recommend as far as how many shooting sessions? And it doesn't have to be you know specific, but how many shooting sessions and how much ammo do you think people should put in before the season or into their gun in general like, to make sure that they're they're on? Like normal hunting or people like new hunters? New, I would say I would say normal hunting, but maybe people with even just a new gun. Uh, if if I were to buy a new rifle before I go hunting, mm-hmm. 
I usually put anywhere between 40 to 60 rounds through mm-hmm. it before I kill something with it. Yeah. But hands down, doesn't matter what it is. Mm-hmm. Even if I'm varmint hunting, anything else, I I kind of do this like by the box thing mm-hmm. where I'll shoot 20 and I'll make some fine adjustments to whatever and I'll shoot 20 more. And I do that three times before I decide whether or not I'm buying a new scope or changing out the trigger or whatever. I usually put 60 to 100 rounds through gotcha. every gun I have before I kill something with it. Gotcha. Gosh, this last gun I had, or I have, I felt like I had to put 200 bullets through it before I finally got comfortable shooting it. And I think that's... Are you talking about your Tika? No, I'm talking about my 270. Oh, um, it took me so many sessions just to get used to everything with that gun. And I think it's because I shot the same 270 from the age of 12 to the age of 30. <laughs> yeah. And so I knew that gun in and out when right. I shot, when I shot that gun, I knew exactly what the kick was going to feel like. I knew exactly how to hold it. And, and I got in this pattern of probably bad habits with that gun, but it's because I felt like I couldn't miss with it. Right. And then I get a new gun that the kick is totally different. Uh, the scope was completely different. Uh, and I'm shooting that thing and couldn't get a, couldn't get a, a good grouping to save my life. Yeah. A lot of the times, it's the shooter. It was totally me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's funny because now, and I kept blaming my gun over and over. I'm like, it's my gun. And I, it was your brother who recommended me, uh, recommended I get that gun. I'm like, Jake, it's your stupid gun you recommended. Uh, and then I kept taking it out over and over. And finally, when it was the realization of myself that I'm flinching, yeah, then everything got easier. But it's so hard to admit that when you've been hunting for so long that you are a bad shooter or you've practiced bad habits. Um, and it's funny because watching my dad shoot now, uh, I have similar I, – I make fun of him because we had this big box at 100 yards. And this is the Leopold scope that he's been complaining about. And he'll shoot and completely miss the box at 100 yards. And I sighted in and it's dead on. And so I'll, he'll be like, it's off. Take my gun. You shoot. And I'll, I'll get down, shoot. It'll be perfect shot. And then he'll look at me and he'll be like, give me that gun. And then he gets on the hood and then he practices all the things he knows. Breathe out, take right. and just like really focus and concentrate on not and concentrate on not bumping your rifle and just pulling the trigger. And and then he shoots good. But he'll go from missing the box to shooting good just from going, I got to shoot the right way because my son just. Right. Going through the motions. Yes. Like he knows how to do it. He right. just, you know. You sometimes just, just get in that mode. Yeah. If you go through a checklist of what I need to do to hit my target, mm-hmm. it's a pretty small checklist. Yeah. And if you do it correctly, you're going to hit your target. Right. So it it is pretty simple when it gets down to What's it. What's the checklist you go through in your head when you're um, getting ready to squeeze the trigger? Uh, I always like to have two points of contact on my rifle. Mm-hmm. Um, preferably not me. Mm-hmm. So uh, a bag or, or my backpack at the front, mm-hmm. a bag or a shirt or something rolled up behind the, the stock. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I want to make sure that I'm not touching my rifle with my left hand. Which is funny because that's how, and I think a lot of people were taught. That's how I was taught. I was taught that way too. Yeah. You hold, because your gun's going to jump up if you don't hold right. it down. Your gun's going to do whatever it wants to do. You let that baby, <laughs> you let that butt, that buddy rip. Yeah. Like you just don't care. You don't think about anything mm -hmm. except your gun being stable, having, uh, you know, and doing the math, depending on the shot, mm -hmm. uh, most shots that I've taken, uh, there's been a few exceptions, but uh, most shots that I've taken have been within four to 600 yards, mm -hmm. I would say. Mm -hmm. um, there's been a couple close ones, but for the most part, I kind of hunt in the same area and that's just, that's just what you got to do. Right. So uh, it's, breathing taking time and i usually let the deer bed down so i have that time so mm -hmm. I'll, I'll watch them for a bit and then yeah you just checklist is front back stabilized uh keep your bicep and your shoulder kind of off the gun a little bit and when you pull the trigger i i can't feel my trigger finger so it's kind of kind of tough mm -hmm. but uh you just kind of that actually might help. It, it's a little I, bit of I a think surprise. I, I got a I, I started shooting better after I yeah. cut my finger off. So yeah. <laughs> my my <clears throat> dad would always say if it doesn't surprise you, it's gonna be a missed shot. Right. <laughs> and I think that's true because if I'm bearing down on it and I just boom squeeze, all of that flinching right. is gonna cause you to to mess up. I had that happen this year actually. Um oh yeah. Did I tell you? I, I think I might have told you. Um, the deer that I shot this year, I had it perfectly lined up. Snow was falling. I'd hiked this little ridge and was up perched on it. I knew where the deer were going to pop out. They always pop out in this one section uh, when the when the snow starts falling. And I was just sitting there waiting. And I, it was a two hundred yard shot. I knew I knew they were coming. I just had that feeling. Yeah. And uh, and of course, the moment I'm the moment I realize, oh, they're not coming. I'm going to hike somewhere else. I stand up and start walking away. I look, and they're right there. So yeah. I jump back down. Sounds and familiar. That, and, you know, I was completely prepared, but I just stood up, packed all my things up, and was walking up and looked back, and they're right where I was waiting for them to pop out. Right. Um, I sit back down on my gun. I get my, my tripod up, and, uh, and I'm a little bit panicked, even though I had no reason to be. They had no idea I was there. And... My and I remember, I remember going. I'm going to squeeze the trigger now, and went boom. And as soon as I thought that, as soon as I thought I'm going to squeeze the trigger now, is when I knew I had already missed. Right. Um, yeah. And it completely shot over its back. And then I knew that that I had done that. Um, I actually, this is a funny story. I grabbed my bolt and pulled it back, and everything was so frozen in my gun because it was so cold that morning. I pulled back and my whole bolt popped out. Oh, because I froze the switch down yeah. or something. <laughs> my bolt Jeez. popped out and landed in the snow. And so I'm digging around trying to find my bolt. I finally find it and I'm I'm not I, I'm putting it back in, but my bullets are frozen in the clip. Oh my gosh. And because I had hiked up, I had brought all my stuff up with me, and then I saw that deer and went right back down to where I was. And so I'd left all my extra bullets in my <laughs> 
attack because I thought I have three bullets in this clip and it's only a 200 yard shot. It's a common mistake too. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. I made all the mistakes. Very common. And I could not get this bullet out. I had my other bullet shell that I just shot and this, the buck was just standing there. Like this and three bucks were just standing there looking around and I'm cursing at God. I'm like, how can you do this to me? Which never happens, by the way, if you actually have ammo. In the gun. <laughs> no, <I know. laughs> they're running. And oh, yeah, of everywhere. course. Of course. <clears throat> no, they just stood there looking around and then they started eating again, which made me even more mad because they're just going to like slowly feed away and I'm not going right. to get another shot. And so I run back up the mountain. I somehow was able to get back of the mountain without them seeing me, grab another bullet, come back down, loaded it. And then I got really low. Like I, I, I brought my tripod like super low to the ground. I got really low where I was even at a weird angle sideways on the mountain. Mm-hmm. But I just felt like lower is better, lower is more stable. And then I just took a big deep breath and my gun surprised me and I knew I shot it. I didn't even yeah. have to see the deer where it went i knew it was it was done it's that simple yeah and you forget all that you forget all that in the moment well you just get that checklist in your mind and Mm -hmm. if you complete that checklist you will kill something every single time right right it's simple you were about to tell that story of uh when the gun when the gun went off first one oh yeah my first josh has only had his gun go off Three or four times when he wasn't paying attention. Three. <laughs> Three times. Um, my first AD, I was practicing. AD stands for? Accidental discharge. Okay. Um, I just like it when you say that. Yeah. I know. Most people do. <laughs> um, I was sitting in my living room. Uh, my parents had just bought me a brand new uh, varmint gun because we were getting into coyote hunting you and i Mm -hmm. and it was a 223 savage verminator edition big old bolt barrel uh really nice accu trigger it was it was probably the nicest rifle up till up to that point Mm -hmm. that just was steady and it shot really well um and i was practicing uh you know i'd pull the bolt up pull it back go back down and how I practice is I aim at stuff and it, it really is useful. Mm -hmm. You just got to make sure there's no bullets in the chamber. Mm -hmm. Um, That's the only downside to this, (laughs) Uh, which how old were you? uh, Just so people know that you're not an adult idiot. um, I feel like I was a bit older. (laughs) I think you were like 15, 16. Yeah. I was like 16. Yeah. 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 16 year olds can make mistakes. Yeah. I was 16 mm-hmm. uh, or close to it, maybe 15. Okay. I think I was 15 actually mm-hmm. when they got that for me. But uh, yeah, I was sitting in the living room and I was short stroking the bolt, <laughs> uh, which to people that don't know, mm-hmm. it's you pull it up and only pull it back halfway. Right. And push it back down. And I had done that 15, 16 times. Uh, and I was aiming out my parents' big glass pane window Uh and I was aiming at all kinds of stuff, you know, fence posts, trees, houses, uh, cars, just whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, whatever I could see. And when you dry fire a rifle, you watch to see what your, 
uh, crosshair does. And that tells you if you're flinching. Yeah. If you're flinching or if your scope isn't mounted properly, Mm -hmm. it will also tell you that. And uh, apparently I still had ammunition in the dang thing. Um, cause I long stroked it mm-hmm. and shot out my parents' big ass <laughs> glass window, um, while I was aiming at a car's taillight driving down our street. <laughs> Luckily it didn't make it there. Right. But, uh, yeah, it probably hit a few things on the way there for sure. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have, uh, <laughs> My dad, when he comes back on this podcast, will have to tell his story that's similar because he won't tell it. He he told me I could only tell one of his embarrassing stories, and of course, I I chose the him shooting a. Steer. I know what story you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, but there's a lot of idiots out there who tell you to, you know, practice shooting at things and practice actually pulling the trigger at things uh, that you should not be pointing a gun at. <laughs> And my dad right. has a story very similar uh, that he'll he'll have to tell at some point. He'll be mad if I tell it on this one. So you yeah. y'all will have to wait for the next time he's on. Or I could tell it. No, <laughs> no. I know let this it, story. Let him do it. It was a good one. It was a good one. But he'll have to tell it. All right. He's I'll already embarrassed it. enough that uh, uh, he, it happens. It happens. It happens. You know, he wasn't taught a lot of things. Yeah. I don't know what your excuse was, but my excuse was uh it should have happened more i i probably should have shot <laughs> i probably should have shot a lot more windows honestly that if i'm funny. if i'm gonna be honest you're like look i did this ten thousand times the fact that it only went off once is that, pretty that that's kind of where i'm at right yeah. now <laughs> that's uh, funny Okay, so tell me about, I know you have one one year of crazy stories when you and Jake were kids, and I actually was in on that last hunt, uh, but I, yeah. didn't, I wasn't there all, leading all the way up to that. Um, tell me a little bit about that. Okay, so uh, me, my dad, and my brother put in on a party hunt for Unit 44, which is a which I, I, I would consider a trophy oh, yeah. buck unit. Totally. In, in southern Idaho, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, it's a good one. So all you hunters out there, put in for unit 44 so we can put in for the ones we want. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a, it's a good one. There's there's a lot of good game out there. Um, but, yeah. So it was 2004. So you were 16. 15. I was 16. 16. Jake was 14. 14. I or was 16. Was it? That was Jake's first year. That was, was, it two, Jake's that, first that was 2002. Year? Yeah. I felt like we were way younger than that. Yeah. No, we were. No, that was. That was I my, don't think we could drive. That was. No, we couldn't. Uh, that was my brother's first year. Mm-hmm. So it was 2002. Mm-hmm. Uh, me, my dad, and my brother went up to this trophy unit and there was deer everywhere bucks like non-typical awesome it was it was freaking phenomenal mm-hmm. uh probably one of the coolest and underappreciated years that i had mm-hmm. hunting um and we got up to the top ridge of, i think it was buttercup mm-hmm. or close to it which is a the 
basically the highest peak in unit 44 mm-hmm. where you can see everything. And, uh, we spotted this, this buck. It was nice, you know, wasn't maybe 28 wide and, or 26 wide and whatever tall, mm-hmm. non-typical. We could see it had some junk on it and we decided that Jake was going to shoot it. So he posted up, he, we typically put our backpacks on a rock or whatever and kind of have something soft to shoot on. And Jake put his gun on his backpack and didn't realize, and it's a brand new backpack (laughs) at this point. He had just bought this thing. Mm -hmm. And I think it was a, I think it was like maybe one of the top like Cabela's brands or, you know, he was really proud of it. Right. Um, It was his first year. He had been with us quite a bit before that, but it was the first time he was going to shoot a deer, so he he went all out, or my parents went all out, and mm-hmm. got him some nice stuff. And he put his backpack on this rock and, you know, put his gun down and shot. And there was this big confetti of foam and all kinds of stuff. And I was like, Jake, what, what was that? And he said, I, I have no idea. And he kept shooting and I was like, wait, what, what just happened here? Mm-hmm. And he had stuffed his barrel into his backpack and was looking, looking over, over the top of it and was shooting holes through his backpack as this deer was running. And I, <laughs> I just had no idea what it could have been. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't realize it till after he, he, yeah, he did. I think he shot like seven or eight rounds, which wasn't abnormal for Jake. Back no, then. back in the day, he, Jake's a great shooter now. Yes. But back in the day, it was very, very common for Jake to shoot his gun, and then you'd hand him your gun. He'd shoot your yeah. gun. You'd hand him another gun. Just I've, a little trigger I've, happy. I've, I've seen him go through three guns. <laughs> and I was loading the first one while he was finishing the first. Right. Or third or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I was loading the first when he was finishing the third. <laughs> Um, is seriously like being in battle, right? Uh, uh, oh, I remember there were times, extent. there were times where we would be coyote hunting. We'd see a coyote, we'd be on it, and all of a sudden, boom! A gunshot would happen, yeah. and Jake would be shooting to the left, and he'd be shooting at a completely different mountain than yeah. what we were shooting at. We're yeah, like, what are you was... even looking at? The coyote, the guy, co- the coyote's over here, Jake. <laughs> He's a little trigger happy, right? But. Great he, shooter now. Yeah, he he learned how to fine tune that. Yeah, and he's doing a good job. Right. Um, but anyways, back then, not so much. Mm-hmm. He liked to throw some lead, mm-hmm. and I think, just like all of us, we all like shooting guns. Mm-hmm. I do feel like there was a couple times where Jake would have just sent lead down range just because he could, <laughs> like because it was time. The yeah, bullets in the chamber, yeah, like it's if, ready to go. I have four. <laughs> You know, if, I only need to if concentrate he's, on if the four. Yeah, if he's loading another gun, I have four more. Yeah, I got like, eight at that yeah, point. Why the not? Third guy's got twelve. I mean, if you're a good hunter, you you shoot one bullet a year. Right. That that's not yeah, fun. Right. <clears throat> uh, that's kind of where I kind of thought Jake was coming from yes. for yep. a long time. Yeah. Um. Anyways, he shot through his backpack, blew it to nothing mm-hmm. couldn't use it anymore um and so we were chasing a wounded deer mm-hmm. it was 
it was he hit it through the backpack oh he hit it through the backpack wow yeah, okay. yeah he he wounded it he, i think he hit it just above the front right elbow mm-hmm. um age of 12 right 12 or 13 12 he it was yeah. his first year okay gotcha um <laughs> yeah next part's kind of messed up but uh so we're chasing it right mm-hmm. we get me and my dad takes off he's gonna go to another another canyon just to make sure it doesn't backtrack Mm -hmm. we always split up at this point the more you know square footage uh, area you can cover the better Mm -hmm. well he told me to stay with my brother and i was like okay yeah i'll stay with him we start running we set up we see the deer starting to go over the ridge and jake said just about ready to pull the trigger i said hold hold up that's a good looking buck boom (laughs) And I didn't even know I was going to do it, but I shot. <laughs> I shot and hit it uh-huh. and dropped it, killed it immediately. Yep. And uh, my dad comes running over, just so proud of Jake. <laughs> um, <laughs> thinking that Jake just smoked this buck. Uh-huh. Uh, first, you know, first deer. Just right. He's ex- ready to he's give ex- all the dad he proud like, moments. He, like, picked him up. <laughs> I'm sitting there going, oh, God, that's not good. Um, And Jake's sitting there going, I didn't shoot it. (laughs) Like, my dad's holding them, praising them and all that. He puts them down. and (laughs) What? It's like, yeah, no, Josh shot it. Uh He's like, oh, really? Jake said, yeah. He said, nice buck and pulled the trigger. (laughs) (laughs) My dad looks at me with this. This face, I'll never forget it. He looks at me. It's like all like sunken in and like solemn. <laughs> and he's like, dude, that, that's all he said yeah. was one word. And uh, uh, yeah, that's so funny. dropped it, killed it instantly. Heinous pack out. Mm-hmm. So now I'm kind of the, the douche mm-hmm. at this point everyone's my dad's mad at me my brother's mad at me he shot his backpack and didn't even get to claim the deer um everyone's you're pissed. all packing his stuff because his backpack doesn't hold anything right uh we were trying to we were dragging it at one point i'm mm-hmm. pretty sure the thing was just a mess mm-hmm. he blew both the top straps off Jeez. there's like buttons or stitching or something up top and yep. just annihilated his brand new backpack <laughs> Um, and then it gets worse. Mm -hmm. The next weekend we go out, you were with us, um, to go shoot a deer for Jake. And it was all about getting one for Jake. Though at that point, everyone felt bad for him and I was the douche. Mm -hmm. Um, so you were there to help him carry it out. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so we end up walking up this canyon. We're we're scaling up. It's pretty close to where we had shot that other one, maybe a mile or two away. And we <laughs> I know, man. Oh, this, this is, is, this is a bad story. <laughs> I don't know how to get through it gracefully. Okay. Okay. Just you got chill it? out. I got it. Okay. I got this. Cool. Um so we we're hiking up this canyon. We hear some rocks falling in the next canyon we're kind of we're like walking some finger ridges going Mm -hmm. up 
we hear some rocks falling and automatically being Idaho boys, we know what that means. That means mule deer are just right in front of us. Mm -hmm. And we, we all knew it Mm -hmm. at that point. Um, we all, I, I don't have a gun at this point because I just shot my brother's deer. I don't have a gun because it's not my unit. And Tyler's with us for whatever reason. I think it's just to help Jake pack out his deer right. at that point. Um, your dad has a tag and my, your brother has a my tag. My dad and my brother still have a tag. Um, we all kind of consolidate in this one spot. We see a couple bucks. My brother shoots and hits one, but there's two, there's two bucks there. There's one massive massive buck Mm -hmm. um you know 32 plus inches wide just monster and there's this little dink well not a dink he was still he was still a a nice buck yeah Yeah, he was still 26 but compared to the other what he was trying to shoot at goliath yeah he was he was a monster and jake shot and killed one of the the smaller of the two bucks and my dad automatically turns to us and says that deer is down. You need to show your brother how to gut this deer, mm-hmm. and I'm going to take off after this this big buck, and I'm going to try to go get it. I was like, okay. Well, first, your dad, who's a very godly Christian man, would never yes. would never do anything uh, to set a bad example. This buck was so big that when your dad saw it, he was like, oh, shit. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was the first time he cussed that day there was another time mm-hmm. um but yes that was the I, i've heard him curse a handful of times in my whole life right like very very respectful uh pretty chill dude mm-hmm. super uh you know just loving and he's a he's a good man and jake said it actually i remember jake saying that when he said it he took his eye off the scope <laughs> And looked at his dad like, geez, dad. Yeah. And then went back on the gun, and that's he was blaming his dad for why he shot the smaller buck. Right. <laughs> yeah. That was definitely a thing. The funniest part is after he shot it, um, and it wasn't dead yet. I don't know if you're going to tell this, but I, I was watching Jake walk down, and the deer wasn't quite dead. It was, it was still up, and you could tell it was going to die, but it was still up. And Jake looks back at me and he goes, should I throw a rock at it? And I'm like, <laughs> oh. no, you shouldn't throw a rock at it. It'll run farther. <laughs> and he goes, I'm going to throw a rock at it and just starts hucking rocks at the deer. And of course it stands up and runs farther up the canyon. Yeah. I didn't even remember that. Yeah. Then I, I remember was- that because I remember thinking when we finally packed the deer back to where he originally shot it, right. <laughs> I was like, we could have started from here. <laughs> <laughs> right. That pack out was miserable. Oh, that horrible. was the worst. It's horrible. Um, Josh and I put it on a stick. Like, like a pig. <laughs> like you would like a pig put it on a stick because it was such steep side hilling. We didn't have pack frames or anything like that at that age. So Barely even option, rope. Yeah, the options I mean, were drag it or cut it into pieces. And so we put that thing on a stick and tried to carry it out like, I mean, we did. I have a picture of that, by the it way. It was horrible. Yeah. You have to I, give me the photo. I, I'll give you the photo. Yeah. I don't think it's digital. I think it's just like a hard That's copy fine. photo. That's fine. Just take a, take a photo yeah. with your Yeah. Your no, I, I have a picture of it. Um, anyways, so Jake shot it. My dad took off, said, 
show your brother how to field dress a deer. Cause I had been doing it for four or five years. I was pretty proficient at it. Right. Like my dad didn't even have to touch anything at that point. Right. Um, I and you're, like, you're 14, 15, you're a teenager, Jake's yeah. 12. Yeah. He, he, and he hadn't really been out as much as I had. Right. I, I, he, he wasn't even necessarily used to gutting game right. or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad took me at a way younger age than he did Jake. You know, once, once I started getting a little bit older, he, he didn't go as much. And when he did, he either went with by himself or maybe me, Jake at the same time, right. my grandpa, whatever. But, uh, Jake definitely did not have the experience mm-hmm. that he needed, to field dress this deer. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay. And back then I was a little, a uh, little bit of a bully, I would say towards Jake. I think there, we both were. Yeah. There's a couple of years where we kind of, we razzed him a little bit. Oh yeah. Um, anyways. That's what older brothers do. Yeah. Uh, so starting out um with this whole conversation yeah my first instinct to helping my brother learn how to gut a deer was to mess with them mm-hmm. like a lot mm-hmm. and one of the things that you need to do probably not the first things you need to do but, but one the of funniest the funniest things uh, yeah. that they need to start with yeah i started explaining to my brother that you got to start with the butthole mm-hmm. and you know, I had them split, split up, split open the guts and everything. And mm-hmm. I had him get everything out like normal. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, he was asking more or less like, well, how do you get rid of this? Uh-huh. Like it's always gone every time he had seen it. Right. Uh, you know, there's like a big hole mm-hmm. and he's like, well, what do you do to get that out? Mm-hmm. And I told him you got to take your finger and uh, loosen it up a little bit, <laughs> which oh, I don't. I, I don't know why I did that <laughs> or why it was a good idea or any of it. But You're, I remember you telling him, and what you were saying sounded. It, it made right. sense. It I know. I, right. I really tried to convince him that yeah. that's what he needed. It sounded right. So he was so confused when yeah. he was trying to do it. He was very confused, which is so messed up because I wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> I, I figured out a way. You and I were just dying laughing because he's pretty much got his finger around the butt trying to figure out what to do. And he's like, loosen it up. What do you mean? Yeah. So I was trying to get him to loosen it up with his finger, you know, back and forth. His, <laughs> and I told him the faster that he went. Ugh. Yeah. I wasn't necessarily oh, going to tell this story. story. I, it's bad. Um. I told him the faster that he went, mm-hmm. the faster it would come out. Yeah. <laughs> so he was going as fast as he possibly could. Yeah. And uh, it was for too long of a time, I would say. But you and I were dying. <laughs> we were. We were holding I, I, it together. Yeah, we were holding it together because we, I mean, we were laughing, but. This is dumb teenager we, stuff. Yeah, we were just kind of trying to tell him like, hey, man, everybody has to do it. Right. Like, this is just something is part you of do. It. Uh-huh. And so he was okay with it, mm-hmm. but he was kind of like confused. <laughs> like. And getting mad. Why Why do people do this and why is it so hard? <laughs> like, he was getting <laughs> very frustrated why it just wouldn't pop out or right. whatever. Whatever he um, thought was going to Yeah, whatever happen. he thought he was going to happen <laughs> 
it didn't happen. Right. Um, he continued continued his uh, his deal there. Yep. <laughs> and the second time, out of like the five times I've heard my dad cuss, yep. As soon as he walked up, he saw his youngest son, who he had just previously told his oldest son to teach him how to gut a deer. Mm-hmm. You know, at that point. Jake was a little frustrated. Oh yeah. And he was bad. And he was going like this, like yeah, this, yeah. like this. Was, it was not good. Um, Your dad's reaction. I don't even remember. I was so scared. Cause he can't kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. Like I, I we were just can, there. Yeah. Like we, all of a sudden your dad's like, I can't remember what he said. I'm pretty sure he said, what the F? Yeah. Like, yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. Like, he's like, Jake, what are you doing? And I remember, both of us turned to your dad, and <laughs> at first, we that's were like, when we started laughing. laughing. <laughs> and then we busted up laughing, yeah, and yeah. then Jake was so pissed. Yeah, that was bad. Yeah, that was really bad. Yep. Um, but the funnier story to me is after that. You yeah. want me to tell that? Yeah, you can tell that. Okay. You, you were there. So after Jake gets done, um, uh, what's the nicest word? After Jake gets done with the butthole prank. Uh, we're then now trying to get him to do the rest, which was the esophagus, getting the esophagus out, the heart and the lungs. At that time, and, and I still do this, but some people don't. At that time, it was slitting the throat up here, and mm-hmm. then you get inside the chest cavity, especially Jake, who is a small guy, yeah, s- small 12-year-old kid. You get inside the chest cavity, and then you pull the esophagus until it pops out. Mm-hmm. Well, Jake's not believing anything we're saying. At <laughs> yeah, point. at this point, you don't listen. But this listen. time now his dad is here and is agreeing like, Jake, that's what you do. Like you grab it and you just pull as hard as you can. And so Jake is trying with all his might to get this esophagus out. He is pulling and pulling and he's like giving up. And then he's he's even getting discouraged and he's coming back to it. And he's getting more aggressive and trying to pull and pull. And he's, he's young at this point. Yeah. He's covered in blood. Covered. Like... We can we can field dress a, a deer or elk right now and barely get blood on us. Yes, right. This dude had blood on his chin. I mean, he was covered in blood. Yes. Yeah. And and he's because he's been in the chest cavity pulling at this esophagus for so long, and all we're saying is you can do it. Like you just got to keep going. And finally, after he gets so aggressive and he's pulling so hard, all I hear is this. This loud pop and the esophagus pops out. And then I look over and Jake is rolling down the mountain. He <laughs> fell off this like little three foot embankment when he popped yeah. out and he's got it gripped so hard that he's rolling backwards all the way down the hill. And you can see the guts are just smacking him in the face, the heart, the lungs, the esophagus smacking him in the face all the way down. And he stands up so proud that he did it. <laughs> and we are just rolling, laughing on the ground. And he's screaming, I did it. I did it. It was uh, a rough year. Covered for in blood, holding yeah. the esophagus with the heart and the lungs. Um, and there's a million different easier ways to get the esophagus out. Uh, oh, yeah. And we chose to have him do it the hardest way possible. Well, that's how I learned how to do it originally. Totally. Um but it's amazing that he still is the avid hunter that he oh, is yeah. today. Yeah, I and mean, now, uh, to his credit, we can't say much. Dude yeah. shoots bigger bucks than we do often. Yeah, he does. Uh, he puts in the time and takes the shots, and I still have to pull the butthole out of every single deer he's ever killed. <laughs> <though>. <laughs> that 
that's Josh's punishment now. Yeah, that that's been my punishment since the day every that time that happened. Every time Jake just brings the deer to you, butthole still in, and goes, "Here you go, Josh." He will call me. <laughs> it it doesn't matter what time of night. Yeah, he will call me and say, <laughs> "Dude, you got to come over here and take care of this." And <laughs> I do it. Penance. It's I, a I, good penance. Yeah, I I earned it. Yeah, I would say that was pretty messed up. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he doesn't have to do it anymore. <laughs> So embarrassing. Uh, that was the last time he ever did it. Oh yeah, that's funny. But well, now what are your uh, what are your plans for this next year? What are you What are you hoping to accomplish? Uh, I know you took a hiatus. You've had back surgeries, stuff like that. But you're just getting back into it. What are you hoping to accomplish this year? Uh, well, the end of this last hunting season, I had more fun just being out mm-hmm. doing stuff, glassing. I mean, I spent hours upon hours just going out into the mountains and Mm -hmm. hanging out. It was wonderful. So next year I'm probably going to take a year off of work Mm -hmm. or a year, a year off of work. That would be amazing. Did you tell tell Sawtooth? No, a month, (laughs) maybe two months off of work and just literally just stay out in the bush and Mm -hmm. like go hunting and do the stuff that I love to do. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to do it with you. Yeah, that's that's the main goal, I would yep. say. Just spend more time hunting this year. Yeah, just learning. Uh, and it's all a learning thing. Oh, yeah. Like, I've been doing this for a long time, but uh, although I did take a lot of breaks and, you know, with surgeries and such, mm-hmm. uh, it all translates a little bit. Like, when you get older and you start really thinking about it mm-hmm. and – I like the idea of finding a specific buck that I want to, that I want to get, mm-hmm. especially early season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then taking it. Yeah. That, that's, that's, I get a lot of pleasure out of that. So that's what I'm going to do. Awesome. Yeah. So the goal is to do some scouting, find the buck and chase that buck. Scouting is probably one of the most miserable things I've ever done in my life. I hate it. <laughs> uh-huh. I think it's ridiculous. Most of my friends all scout, mm-hmm. and if they suck it up and just tell me where these deer are, mm-hmm. then I'm good with it. Right. Like, but there is that little bit of pleasure that I get out of finding one and putting the work in beforehand mm-hmm. and pulling that trigger and and eating it. Right. You know, and actually consuming that and being like yeah this this guy he earned it you right. know he wasn't i didn't just pull up on this thing in my truck this little two by two and shoot it and mm-hmm. whatever but right which i've done quite a few times sure yeah yeah so this year's the year are you gonna think, you think you're gonna find el toro or you find that just a good good solid buck this year i don't know that i really care so much about the size or whatever i the experience lasts so much longer Mm -hmm. than the pleasure that i get from shooting a big big game yeah Uh, i'm with you i i've learned so much i've learned more about the game that i haven't shot i've learned more about being like a legit hunter Mm -hmm. based on that rather than like actually killing deer if if you kill a decent buck, yeah, you won. Mm-hmm. Whether doesn't matter how far it is or the work you put in, but 
as soon as you make a big mistake, a crucial one, which there's a million mistakes you can make, whether you don't have your gun loaded or whatever, where you peek up over this hill and your safety's on Mm -hmm. or whatever, like all those little tiny mistakes makes you into this amazing hunter that like flicks his safety off before he looks over a rock Mm -hmm. or like puts his freaking ear pros on or uh, earplugs in before he starts creeping on game or Mm -hmm. takes his shoes off. I've taken my boots off in the forest. Sure. Because I'm crunching way too much sticks and everything. I need to be able to feel what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I mean, a couple inches of snow and I'm walking in socks. Right. It it makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. And once you learn that, it just makes you into good ethical like sneaky hunter right that's what you need to be right and it seems like that's what you love is you like you're less into the spotting and you're more into getting on a track following a deer and and out matching that deer Uh, yeah i would say that's probably i would say that's probably the main thing that really gets me going right. when I'm hunting for sure. Like I, I do like spotting deer. I like going up. I had a lot of fun at the end of the year doing that mm-hmm. and stuff, but really there's something about like going up and not necessarily knowing anything. Right. And getting on a, a track where, and if you look at de- mule deer track, elk track, whatever tracks, I should say, um, once you start getting into that, you start noticing like, oh, wow, that's a big bull mm-hmm. or that's a big buck. And you start seeing like, oh, this guy comes through here at least once a week. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, maybe he's coming through there three times a week and you just haven't seen exactly which way it takes. Mm-hmm. And then just getting into the whole like psychological side of hunting is so much more fun to me. And then sneaking <clears throat> through the trees and, you know. Like I could probably do most of my hunting with a iron sight gun because I like hunting the trees and sneaking up on stuff and Mm -hmm. it's hard. Yeah. I, I really, that's the fun part for me. Well, I did a podcast with Reed and he was talking about how the guys who master hunting in the forest are the ones who always get the bigger deer. No, there's, there's totally. And Reed is another guy that really taught me a lot about, hunting mule deer Mm -hmm. especially not not elk at all um just big mule deer hunting Mm -hmm. and he taught me how to look for them and you know growing up my dad he he knew how to hunt and get mass game right i mean he was really good at it and an incredible shot Mm -hmm. i've seen him take shots that nowadays i would never take like it just I would view it as unethical Mm -hmm. and he would do it and just drop a deer, like a prancing deer down a mountain at Mm -hmm. 300 yards with an open sight, 30, 30 Mm -hmm. and just waiting till that deer got to the pinnacle Mm -hmm. of where he was jumping and shooting it in the back of the head Mm -hmm. and splitting its tongue in half, Mm -hmm. dropping it one shot. And it was just like, Holy smokes. Mm -hmm. Like I could never do that. Right. Like that was it lucky? I always wonder. His like a lot thing. of viewers are going to be like, yeah, he was just shooting and he hit it in the back of the head. 
his brother does do it a, multiple times. He's done it a lot. Right. Like it's not, it's not a one time thing. It's like all, the way that they grew up hunting, they were busting out deer and trying to move them. Like they were, you know, hunting in large groups of people. Mm-hmm. So they were always shooting at moving game. Yeah. Every single, well, him and his brother can shoot deer running mm-hmm. hands down. I've seen him do it. I've never seen, I've only seen my dad miss one shot and he ended up killing this same deer running, mm-hmm. but he missed one shot. And every single time after that, he's never hit a moving or he's never missed a moving mm-hmm. deer. Wow. Uh, he's missed deer standing still, <laughs> but as long as they're moving, he's, he's never missed one. Right. So that, I think that probably is kind of due to the way that they grew up hunting and mm-hmm. the way that they, they were taught and they got used to shooting, moving game. Right. And, you know, we, I'm kind of a, you know, I'm a shooter. Mm-hmm. So I post up and make a precise shot, mm-hmm. not typically based on movement. Yeah. Like trying to be as steady as possible. Yeah. I would never, like when I hear that, I almost cringe. I mean, if someone gets good at it somehow, that's awesome. But I cringe because to me, I know I know all the potentials for wasting meat. And if people have figured I know that <clears throat> I know that when people take moving shots, it's often a risk reward. So if you see a deer <clears throat> that's above you and it's quartered away and it's moving, you know that you have all its vitals, its neck, and its head all lined up. Right. And so even if it's moving, you know the odds are, especially if you're shooting an open sight, the yeah. odds are that's the perfect the perfect uh, alignment for you to try a shot when right. a deer is moving. Um, and I, I took a shot like that uh, last year, um, and it, but it was a 70-yard shot, and it had to be quick. Right. And I had a scope. You know, yeah. so I knew I'm going to hit it somewhere in the head, right. in the head or the vitals, um, in the neck, head or vitals is, was the shot I had. Um, and so I, I guess I can see how people can get used to it, but gosh, I would be cringing looking at a scope, watching a deer run away. No way. Yeah. I mean, he, sh- with this 338, uh, Winchester Magnum. Mm-hmm. I saw him shoot another deer and they're all headshots. Wow. Like he's not, he's not shooting him in the body and ruining meat. And I guess that makes sense too. If you know your height when you're shooting and you know, I'll hit it in the head or I'll miss. Well, yeah. And I think that that may be the, that might be what they do. I'm right. not, I'm not sure. Cause I don't, I don't shoot like that necessarily. Yeah. I could uh-huh. Um, just take a lot of practice and I, hopefully you don't, end up wounding a lot of deer in the process. I mean, if you're only shooting at their head, either hit or, or miss. Yeah. And the way that they were doing it, I mean, these deer in, are in like, you know, chest high mm-hmm. sagebrush. They're having to jump over stuff. And so they're raising up and mm-hmm. he, they. I guess his, if you're shooting at the top it, of the raise, him and his brother both can do it. Top of the raise. How can you, it's pretty impressive. I've, I've seen it three times. Wow. Like I, it's not like a, it's not a chance. Uh-huh. It's skill. Wow. I just don't know how they do it. And I, 
at that point, the deer are already running away. Right. So I guess there's really nothing to lose. Right. And I think that might be why they're just smoking these guys because right. they're just kind of like, oh, well, let's give it a shot. Right. Boom, right. And, oh, sweet. And if you aim at a spot where it's either you hit or miss. And there, there may have been a miss or two in there, but it, they're still always a headshot right. at the end of the game. Right. And that was kind of the thing. You know, you hit it in the head, you're not out anything. You're not out any meat. You're not out anything. And and your dad's never cared about antlers or anything no, like that. No, he's never been a trophy hunter and still isn't. And he's he's more about the experience, mm-hmm. too. I mean, that's that's what it's all about, man. Totally. Well, I'll have to have him on at some point. Yeah, no, he, he's got he, – he needs to tell that story about Bear because I know yeah. there was something crazy where somebody put, like, a gun behind their shoulder and pulled the trigger – and there was like a deer rolling out from mm-hmm. he hit something. Wow! So I'll have to, yeah, that'd be fun to have him on because I remember him telling some crazy stories. Uh, so I'll have to have him on, and I'll have to have so Josh and I compete in bass fishing tournaments. Uh, oh, yep. And so this year we have some stories, but we'll probably after this season we'll tell some bass fishing stories that happened this year. And, uh, after hunting season, we'll have you back on and we'll, we'll, we'll follow up with how your hunting season was. Yeah, no, I'm totally, totally stoked about it, man. Sweet. It'd be awesome. Cool. Well, thanks for coming on today. I appreciate it. No worries. It was happy to be on. 